what gets me up in the morning too is just knowing that I'm going to learn so much just in that day. And it's going to be kind of crafted around something that I love. Welcome to From the Dorm Room to the Boardroom, a podcast where we provide insights, tips, and inspiration for college students and young professionals so they can make a really successful transition from college life to the professional world and beyond. My name is Andy Malinsky, and I'm your host. I'm also a professor of organizational behavior and international management at Brandeis University's International Business School, where we record and produce this podcast. So our guest today is Lynn Greenberg, who's the co-founder and CEO of Pivot, the app for people moving and traveling to make you feel more at home. Lynn was a senior associate at Autonomy Ventures uh, prior to founding and being the CEO of Pivot. And at Autonomy Ventures, she helped find startups that would be investable for the firm. She managed teams and she helped these startups build and grow. Lynn is a board member and the vice president of panels for the New York venture community and a mentor for women in business at Yeshiva University and Astia. Uh, Lynn is a frequent speaker and thought leader in the startup community, and we are very uh, happy to have her with us here today. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. So so uh, tell us a bit about what, what you do now. Tell us a bit about, I guess, uh, the, the founding of your company, what your company is doing, what your day-to-day is. And then I'm going to actually ask you after that, to rewind back to college uh, and and put yourself there. But right now, tell us us what you do right now. Yeah, so um, as you mentioned, I'm the co-founder and CEO of a mobile app, which is Pivot. Um, And what this is, is it's a tool for relocated employees um, to help acclimate in their new city right away. Um, So we do that by two, two main ways. The first is by connecting you to employees around the world who are in a similar situation or have a similar interest, goal, or hobby, and also connecting you to people that um, you know and should know so that when you land, you, you right away know where to start to make your new city feel like home. The day-to-day for me is really, it really varies. So obviously, on a three-person team, you're doing a little bit of everything. So everything from PR to marketing to sales to trying to work uh, with your clients. Um, And then most importantly, working with your customers to really make sure that you understand their needs and are building something that really suits their issue at hand. So you're building this from scratch, right? You're not start. You you guys just had this idea, and you're building it absolutely from scratch. Am I right? Correct. And I'm happy to kind of walk through how we how we got there. But yeah, absolutely. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we're going to get to that. But let's now rewind quickly back to college. So, where did you go to college? What did you major in? Uh, tell us about. Did you like college? What was your college experience like? So I graduated from Franklin and Marshall College, 
a small school in Pennsylvania, and I majored in government and sociology. So obviously very, very different from where I am now in the technology and startup space. But I absolutely loved my experience at FNM. It is there that I really feel like I love to learn. And, you know, the liberal arts experience for me was, was fantastic. It was uh, very discussion-based and the work was very intensive. But the professors there were really, really, really helpful um, and really positive and kind of giving you, giving you the ball and, and letting you run with it. So, you know, to this day, I'm very, very grateful for, for that education. So you're a senior, you're a senior in college. You're, you're, uh, I don't know, maybe you have friends applying to law schools, friends applying to medical schools, friends getting jobs, friends not sure what they want to do. Where were you at and how did you move, uh, from government and, uh, what was your other major? I'm sorry. Sociology. So a government and sociology major. How did you move sort of from there to to the startup world? So I guess my my first question is 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 what was it like that senior year trying to figure out what to do, and then how did you make the move? Absolutely. So senior year is really tough. Anyone that does a business is is probably lying. And what I mean by that is you really have to kind of shield yourself from what everyone else is, is talking about and doing and really try to focus on what's best for you. Go into senior year and a lot of your friends will have job commitments at financial firms. Um, a lot of them will, quote unquote, know what they're doing. And you know the, the important thing to remember that I wish I, I knew back then is a, this is this is your first job. Um, you know, especially with our generation, it's not the you know be all end all, and you probably will switch over to a new profession. So you know, it's about kind of accumulating great skill sets, kind of prepare you for what's to come in the future. And the second thing, and obviously easier said than done, is to really try to focus on your interests and yourself, and not worry that your friends are going to law school or your your other friend is going into investment banking um, to really try to box them out and hone in on the skills that you want to work on and your likes and dislikes. And, um, you know, the rest will kind of take you from there. How do you do that? It's hard. It's really, really hard. I think, you know, I think what, what helped me was being kind of proactive in that. So I was very proactive in... In my job search, even if I wasn't applying to jobs, I was looking to see what was out there. I was speaking to alumni um, who were in different professions to see potentially what I would be interested in going into. But really kind of staying proactive and feeling like you're doing something to get to the next level. Um, I know a number of schools, Franklin and Marshall has a great career services program in which you could go there and you can get help with your your interviewing and your cover letters and your you know your resume and and that was all super helpful but again it's it's really tough so what did so so tell us then what you did right after college like what was your what was what was your landing point what was your first first ex, uh, professional experience 
Yeah, so actually, so I graduated from Franklin and Marshall, and two weeks after, I moved to London to work for Bloomberg. And this, again, kind of came out of a little bit of nowhere. So I applied to a position working for Bloomberg Law, and I thought, you know, government major, law, that kind of makes sense. And what what ended up happening is Bloomberg Law is quite different in the UK than it is in the US. And it's a very manual, so to speak, job in which um, none of the court cases are uh, digitalized. So you go to the court, you pick them up, and then you, you come back to the office and you scan them over for the clients. And so the manager that was interviewing me said, look, I know you applied to Bloomberg Law, but you seem like you really enjoy speaking with other people um, and working with customers. So let me suggest that you apply for my other team, which is message compliance. It's a growing industry, and um, you you know eighty percent of your work will be working directly with clients. So you know I said, sure, why not? So I I applied for that. You know seven interviews later, ended up ended up getting it, and you know jumped right over to London after graduating. So I was there for for about three years. Um, And again, you know, with a government and sociology degree, I found myself uh, smack in the middle of a financial company. And I had only taken one business class in college and and in a very tech-intensive department. And I had zero technology background. So a lot of people, a lot of young, uh, young, you know, college, I say young, no, you know, you're pretty young, but college students worry that they're not going to be, you know, prepared and that they wouldn't have taken the right classes and they don't have all the skills. And clearly from your experience, that wasn't the case. You're able to do quite well without that. What advice would you give to someone who's, who has those concerns? Yeah. So my biggest advice coming from my personal experience is to A, keep an open mind. Be really embrace opportunity and see don't get your mind um, stuck on following a specific te- a specific path. What you learn in you know Brandeis and great colleges, you know here in the US are so fortunate is that you learn how to think, you learn how to interact with people and solve problems. And that along with innovation is really what's going to get you get you anywhere. My brother studied, entrepreneurship and management in college. And while he got a fantastic education, a lot of his work in in startups following graduation, he had to learn kind of from the ground up because each situation is different. So I really think, and then this also stems from my time investing in in robotics and really seeing what, what robots are going to do and the jobs that they're going to acquire is that I would really say that you shouldn't be stuck on a specific path. You should just focus on acquiring the best skill set. And another thing that I wish I knew is that, you know, when you're going into a job, it's actually more important to recognize what you don't like than what you do like. So, for instance, for me, I I absolutely loved my experience at Bloomberg. Um, But one thing that I didn't really enjoy was the, you know, 12-hour at-your-desk day-to-day job. 
So going into my next role, I knew that was something that I wanted to avoid. And sometimes through the process of elimination, uh, you can really find the best path forward. So what? So that's really interesting advice. You know, find out what you don't like, or I guess also what you do like. But what? How would someone do that? Is there a set of questions you should be asking yourself? You know, what what would be actually? Is there any structured way that that people should approach that? Yeah, I guess just you know, really, it's all about self reflection. But asking yourself, what is not ideal about this situation? What is making me not want to be here? Or what is preventing me from really feeling passionate about what I'm doing or um, not wanting to be here? And I think, you know, it, it might be a small thing. Um, at Bloomberg, for instance, I worked also in a the global data team, which was fantastic for me because I am a big picture thinker. And that required me to really hone in on analytical skills and, and data sets. And while I'm so grateful that I was given that experience and I know how to navigate it, it's something that I just, it wasn't in my DNA. I just dreaded doing it. And so I knew that kind of going into my next role, it ideally would not, uh, you know, have have 80% of your day being being data, data intensive. And I think you can really think if you're in a job for, you know, six to 12 months, you can really kind of hone in on those things. Interesting. Excellent. So so let's hear from a student. Um, we have a student question, and I will play it for you right now, and then you can see what you think. Hi, my name is Isabel, and I'm a college student majoring in business and psychology. Uh, I'm from Hong Kong. So my question is, um, I'm a student who doesn't really know what to do after graduation. So I would really like to hear more about, you know, how you figured out your career path. So it sounds like we've been talking about that. What advice might you give to to Isabel about that? About you know not knowing what you want to do and figuring out a career path. Yeah. Um, again, I think you know we touched on a lot of it, but to kind of go back to what I said before, my biggest advice would be to keep an open mind. You know, to to understand that uh, you don't have to follow in a you know a specific path. What you think that you might do as a senior in college um, is not necessarily what you will be doing in the next year or two. Um, And that's okay. And I think embracing opportunity and kind of looking to see what you can squeeze out out of each job and each opportunity in terms of skill sets, in terms of the people and relationships that you make through those, you know, those job choices are really, really important and kind of thinking to yourself, how can I use this to to better my story? And how can I use this to kind of build my personal brand and, you know, allow me to be a more valuable employer, but also a more invaluable, valuable citizen? Yeah, that's... That. I, I, it's funny, as you were talking, I was realizing... Is a key part of your story we haven't heard yet, and I think that that, that might connect and sort of fill in some of the some of the uh, fill in the dots here. You you talked about how you went to Bloomberg, and 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 we we opened by talking about your you know cool new startup pivot. Can you draw the connection between the two? What happened after Bloomberg? How did you? How are you now the CEO and founder of a startup? Tell us the story. Yeah, absolutely. So I graduated. From FNM, um, 
two weeks later, I moved to London to work for Bloomberg. And what immediately happened to me is I think what happens to most people when they move to a new and unfamiliar place, which is how do you, where do you start to make your new city feel like home? I didn't know anyone and was starting a new job and didn't have time to recreate my network from scratch. But as anyone that has moved knows, it's friends that you need the most when you're adjusting to a new and unfamiliar place. Uh, the other issue that I faced was I moved there and had no idea you know, where to live, which bank to join, where to take my mom for dinner when she visited. And these weren't things that I wanted to rely on a Google or a TripAdvisor for. So, you know, driven out of pure curiosity, um, on top of my role at Bloomberg, on the side, I, I asked other people that I worked with, London is the Bloomberg International Hub. So most of my colleagues were also expats. And I started speaking to them to see if they were having a similar issue. And when I found out that there was a common thread, I started thinking about what could be done to alleviate this and make people's experiences in new places more seamless and, and hopefully thus more fulfilling. So this wasn't something that I set out to do. As I mentioned, I had no technology background and no business background, but I was really determined to fill the gap to try to solve this issue. So I went to workshops, went to classes, spoke to as many people as, you know, would listen. And, you know, the one piece that I wasn't able to kind of grasp about building a startup and, and more importantly, going about solving this issue was the venture capital piece. And I was curious about what made my idea valuable and ultimately investable. So I got, you know, I was very fortunate. I reached out to some colleagues at Bloomberg Data, which is venture capital branch over at Bloomberg. And, um, you know, I asked them if I could help them with, you know, their day-to-day -day work on top of my role, just so I could understand the investing side a little bit better. And um, so I did that for about six months and was at the point where I really felt ready to take Pivot off the ground. So I moved back to New York and we started building out the beta version of Pivot. And, you know, I was at the point where I couldn't take it full time. It wasn't ready, you know, to, to go. And, and financially, I still had to, you know, work to, to support it. Uh, so I joined Autonomy Ventures, which is a venture capital branch here in New York that invests in AI, autonomous mobility, and robotics. So again, jumping into new industries that I had no idea, you know, what it was and what it entailed, but really kind of just took it head on and, and did a lot of research. And uh, yeah, you know, after about two years that economy and really, really enjoying the venture capital space, I got to the point where I was able to take pivot full time. A lot of people had told me that you just know when you have to take your startup full time, there will be a point where it is all encompassing and it's all you're going to think about and all you're going to want to do. And it's at that point that you really have to go with it and give it a shot. So that's, that's where I'm at now. It's a it's a great story. I think inspirational, probably to a lot of people. It's funny when I hear it. I think 
I, I hear a very proactive, driven person. Were there, were there moments of doubt, questioning, you know, insecurity, or or not? Tell us a little bit about sort of the inner world of 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 making these, you know, zigzags to where you are. Absolutely. You know, every other day I have doubts, and and building a startup is really really hard. Um, I always say it's one step forward, um, two steps back a lot of the time. And what really, and now putting my investing hat on, what we really look for at early stage startups is that they experience their, the problem personally. And the way, the reason being is that building a startup is, is so difficult. And that if you didn't go through the experience yourself and really have that inner passion to drive it forward, you know, you're, you're just not going to have the stamina to keep it up. And so for me, what keeps me going every day is, is really the mission of making everyone's experience um, being relocated much more seamless and to make sure that people take unfamiliar opportunities in, in faraway places and expand their outlook. Um, and so, you know, whenever things get tough, which is, you know, it's, it's often, you always just kind of have to remind yourself of that. And, and keep going. So I want to ask you a couple of uh, quick questions now as we sort of near the end of our interview. And I know sometimes these questions aren't really so quick, but I'll ask them anyways. <laughs> and, and you kind of answered the first one, but I'd love to hear more about it. The first question is really simple. What gets you motivated at work? And you just talked about, you just talked about that sense of meaning, that sense of purpose, that you've been through this yourself, that you want to try to help others. Is that the main motivator? Is there anything else to it? I, so, yeah. So, the main motivator is definitely the mission of the company and the fact that I want people to experience their new opportunities um, in the best possible way. The other thing um, that I will say that is really, really self-fulfilling is that building a startup, especially when you're on a three-person team, you're, as I mentioned earlier, you're wearing all different hats. So you're really forced to learn at an expedited rate. And so, you know, selfishly, what gets me up in the morning too is just knowing that I'm going to learn so much just in that day. And it's going to be kind of crafted around something that I love. And for that reason, I feel very, very fortunate and uh, just want to kind of keep that going as long as I can. And it, it sounds like you're not learning hypotheticals. You're learning to solve real problems associated with your real company with real deadlines and pressure, and, right? So that, I imagine that really intensifies things. Definitely. And you know what I've really learned is what, what's important is knowing what you're not good at. And you know when you're on a three-person team, there's a lot that you're not going to be good at. And there's a lot that your teammates are not going to be good at. And so not being afraid to reach out to experts and, you know, really seek the right information and get to the bottom of it is, is, is important. Just being resourceful is, is really important. Talk to us about another question I have is about mentoring. Um, you've you've kind of, I guess, hinted at it a bit, but let's be explicit about it. Um, 
Have, have, do you have a mentor? Do you have mentors? Do you mentor others? I think you do from from the bio that you that where you talked about that. Talk about the role of mentoring, its importance, its challenges, and so on. It's so important. I'm very fortunate in the fact that I have a bunch of great mentors that have in in a bunch of different expertise that have kind of led me to to where I am now. And I think it's so important, especially being a woman in tech, that you do have a mentor. And it's always great to when you're going through a difficult, you know, task like building a startup that you have someone that you can bounce ideas off of, uh, that you can go to and say, look, I know you've been through this situation before. What what would you say are the best ways to go about it? And just having people that you can rely on that have your best interest in mind is so, so important. Now, how do you... F- and, uh, yeah, I was just going to ask. It's, I mean, I, I totally agree and what you said just opens up so many other questions. I mean, the very first one I, that I have, if I take the perspective of someone listening, is how do I find a mentor? You know, wh- wh- how do you how do you how do you do it? You can't just you know email someone and say, "Please be my mentor." <laughs> how do you, how do you develop? Yeah. How do you find and cultivate and develop mentors? Yeah, so they come in a bunch of different forms. So. You know, a, a professor could be a mentor. Um, a parent could be a mentor. There are also a lot of different programs, like you know what I'm a part of, where uh, Yeshiva Women in Business Initiative is a whole mentoring program in which they map to with people um, that are willing to mentor. There are also you know ways that you can form relationships with people that you admire, either their skill sets or them you know, holistically as a person and, you know, just continue the dialogue with them. I have a lot of people that reach out to me, a lot of college students or people that have just started out, um, you know, with a, a startup that have said, can I just kind of keep you in the loop? And can I keep your number on hand if I have a question or if I want to bounce an idea? Um, and, you know, people that have been in the industry have been in that situation. And they're really, really, really open to give back and to help any way that they can. So I I can't help but ask you one quick follow-up. You mentioned about being a woman in tech. And you mentioned, you sort of insinuated that that was challenging. Can you sort of build that out just a little bit? Maybe what what are some of the top two or three challenges of being a woman in tech for for people listening who uh, might you know be interested in that might be interested in going into tech? Yeah, so you know, on top of the statistics that really indicate that I think it's less than three percent of venture capital funding goes towards women founders, you there's 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 some challenges with I would say the how would I how would I put it? But kind of the gender roles and kind of, for instance, guys are more likely to boast about their startup than for it to be accepted, whereas women are more likely to downplay it and use words that are you know maybe not as aggressive. And as a result, it's uh, you know it, it it prevents them from a lot of times from getting funding and from getting um, clients. And so, you know, it's a problem that 
that we see in the industry. But I think what I've been, what I've tried to do is really flipping it and seeing how can I use it towards my advantage. So for instance, there are a lot of venture capital funds now that are solely focusing on female investors. So how can I identify those? How can I approach venture capital firms and say, look, I see that you have, you know, not invested in, in a female founder. You know, how can uh, I can provide value in this way? And also being a woman in venture capital has opened up a ton of different doors just in terms of speaking engagement and being able to mentor people. You're, again, you're, you're unique. Uh, and I think there's something to be said about that. Well, uh, this has been great. I just have one one final question for you. Um, it's a question I've been asking everyone, and I every time I ask it, I always think of how I would answer it, and I still don't have a great answer. Hoping you do. <laughs> uh, you know, if you the question is, if you could just rewind back to college, and for you, it wasn't that long ago, but you've gotten a lot of experience now. You know, from your experience in London, Bloomberg, and now Pivot, and so on. What advice would you give the sort of, you know, 20 year old version of you in college, you know, majoring in politics and sociology, not quite sure what you want to do, you know, maybe even a little worried about the future? What advice would you give? I would say just enjoy, first of all, enjoy every moment of college. There's so much to take advantage of there from the great speakers to uh, the fantastic professors to the friends that you will make that will, um, you know, be by your side forever. Um, it's such a fantastic experience. And, you know, I would just suggest to, to really take it all in and make the most of it. In terms of, you know, worrying about what your next step is, I think, like I said, really trying to box out everyone else and focus in on what's important to you. What, what makes you happy? What makes you tick? Um, and are there skills that you really want to develop to make you, you know, a more valuable contributor to, to society in the future? And really understanding that your first job is, is not going to be your last one. And nothing, nothing is married. And you can really, you know, it's really important to keep an open mind and to embrace opportunity and to really you know, stay in tune as much as you can with, with what you're feeling and, you know, uh, what you like, what you don't like, what you want to change. And, and most of all, stay curious. Um, I think that's the, the biggest thing that has kind of driven me to this point is um, all of it has been driven through curiosity and, you know, just, just not giving up. So wishing, wishing them all the best and, um, you know, it's a it's a fantastic time to be in. Um, so, uh, really envious of that. <laughs> That's great. I love that point about curiosity. Okay, so we're at the end. Thank you so much for for being being our guest today. Really, really interesting stuff. And and if 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 listeners want to find out more about you and in in your work, how how can they find you? Absolutely. So more than happy to speak to anyone. Um, so feel free to email me at Lynn at pivotapp.com. That's P-I-V-T-A-P-P.com. Um, or you can find me on LinkedIn as uh, Lynn Greenberg. All right. Well, thanks again. Uh, really, really great stuff. Thanks, Lynn. Thank you for having me. 
Okay, we just listened to uh, Lynn Greenberg's story. I have here Allison, Kevin, and Allie. Say hello to the people. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what'd y'all think of the episode? What'd you, what, what's, what struck you is, is sort of interesting from this episode? There is this one point in the episode that really stuck to me because it was about being young and like applying to internships or applying to jobs, being young and not having taken classes um, that relate to the job or the internship that you're applying to. Because there, I feel like I have so many different interests, but I don't know where to go from there or what I can get into, what I can try to observe. And she said there are three things that we should kind of keep in mind. And I thought that was really interesting, which was uh, to keep an open mind, to really embrace our opportunities and to not get our minds stuck on following a specific path. Because you, there are so many things you can go, like just going around. You don't have to stick to one thing. Yeah, going off of that, I think that's interesting because something I hear a lot from my friends is there's this kind of feedback loop where a lot of really desirable internships require prior experience in the area. But if you don't have the prior, you can't get that experience without the internship. Um, so that was really interesting that Lynn started out um, in an area that was very far removed, for instance, from like her tech development or anything in that field. And she was able to kind of literally pivot herself towards her app development, that venture. Yeah, also similarly um, to both of you, I thought that the fact that she said that she had zero experience in technology and was a government and sociology major winding up in financial company, um, that really stuck out to me as well, just because like, but especially like with what I want to do, like uh, most of my majors make up that sort of focus. So it was nice to definitely hear that someone that was in a similar field um, was able to like also kind of pivot into a completely different field. Yeah, no, those are all really interesting points. The uh, what's What stood out to me about this interview, maybe different from a few of the others that uh, we've done recently, is that Lynn is like right in the middle of creating something, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to some of the other folks, yeah, everyone is to some degree, but some of the other folks we've interviewed lately have ha have done a lot sort of in, the, in their career and they're kind of retrospectively looking back at it. She's like in it right now. Is there Was there anything about that that popped out to you? Because she's like literally like right in there. I think the Pivot team, she said it only has three members, right? And I thought that was really interesting to hear about her talking about the many hats that she has to wear. And I think that, yeah, as we talked about in some prior episodes, we have people who um, took their startup full time. And she is someone who has only just made that kind of exchange where, like she said, you know, when it kind of takes up your entire mental space and your energy. And so it was really interesting to get that kind of a cross section of somebody who is really right in the, in the midst of getting their startup off the ground. Yeah, I like the when she mentioned it was like something you just know, like it's not when everyone's worried about, oh, when do I drop everything else? Or like, when do I, when can I pick this up and continue it on as my full time? And she was just like, you just know. And like people tell her it's something you just know. I thought that was really interesting. That was true in the Ryder Carroll episode yeah. too, our last episode. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was like the, where's that, um, where's that transition point between sort of like a side hustle and something that you're going to take full time in a way. Yeah. It's kind of been a theme in a lot of these discussions, I think. Yeah. Anything else about the episode? Anything else uh, stand out to you? 
about her journey. How about how about the idea of being a woman in a young woman in tech? She talked a bit about that. Um, I thought that was interesting. Any reactions to that? Yeah, I mean, I thought that was especially since like she also mentioned, as I said before, that she had no prior experience in tech and even Kevin saying how his friends are saying that like a lot of these internships won't hire you without the experience that you're supposed to be getting from these internships. Um, I thought, I mean, it's really bold of her. And I think that it's also really inspiring because it's something, especially with tech, like uh, even like where Brandeis is in the Boston area, that's like a lot of the companies and everything. So it definitely shows that you can't like, even if you may not get it, like just apply anyway, just like see what happens. So yeah, I mean, for me, that's definitely like entering like senior year, it's definitely helpful to um, see someone be able to achieve what they want to do, even though they might not kind of fit the standard outline. I was just thinking also, Alice, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but you're a computer science major. (laughs) (laughs) What, what, do you have any thoughts? I mean, I, when she was talking about women in tech and she's mentioned something that I like, I noticed this a lot also, not in just working when I worked over the summer, but also in classes, there are a lot of guys who are more open about boasting like their achievements, like what, like not even just in the, in the context of startups that she mentioned, but even in class, it's like, oh, I made this app or I'm working on this. But like a lot of girls also don't, they don't put themselves out there or they downplay it a lot. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of like trying to understand how to express yourself and like make sure people know it's like you're, you're doing a lot more than you're saying. And it's very like it's how how to use your skills and what you're doing to your advantage without going, I guess like, mm. I guess putting yourself too far out in your comfort zone, but also getting out there. That'd be a cool panel to have, yeah. uh, like a women in tech panel. Yeah. We have another episode too with I think one of our first was with Catherine Dicas, who's at Google, right? Yeah, and I love that episode because that was another woman who I think she started in psychology, and she pivoted over to. Yes, uh, organizational behavior, and now she's communications or doing all that work with HR at Google. And I thought that was another like really great example for anybody who's interested in women in tech. Um, she also has a great story. Yeah, and actually, now that I think about it, I recently interviewed someone who's going to be on a upcoming episode who is also another woman in tech. So stay tuned. Uh, in the meantime, um, thanks for listening. Uh, you can always check us out at. Instagram at from the dorm room podcast from the dorm room podcast. Come check us out. Uh, We're also on Twitter at from the dorm room. We're on Facebook at from the dorm room. Send us an email, hit us up. We love to hear from people, ideas for episodes, reactions to episodes. And otherwise uh, we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to from the dorm room to the boardroom. If you're interested in learning more about the work that I do and helping people step outside their comfort zones and transition successfully into the professional world, please visit my website, www.andymolinsky.com. That's A-N-D-Y-M-O-L-I-N-S-K-Y.com. And also feel free to email me directly at andy 
at andymolinsky.com with any feedback or ideas for guests for future podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Brandeis University's International Business School. By teaching rigorous business, finance, and economics, connecting students to best practices, and immersing them in international experiences, Brandeis International Business School prepares exceptional individuals from around the globe to become principled professionals in companies and public institutions worldwide. Thank you so much for listening.